It's good to see everyone out tonight. I don't know if you've looked at the numbers, but this morning, if you add the two services together, there were 80 people here. And that is good. Part of that is because we're wearing masks when we come in the building and when we leave the building. And I want to thank those who have cooperated with that effort to try to get people to come and be more comfortable. But I would also like to remind us that I know some think that that's silly. Others take that very seriously. And I want to remind people that there are some that have compromised immune systems and would like for people to maintain that social distance. And so I want to remind us all to take that into consideration. It's not all about me, all about yourself. Think of other people. And I think that Paul kind of addresses that when he says, I will no longer eat meat if it causes my brother to stumble. So take those kind of things into consideration when you're trying to help someone to be able to come out. Trust me. Trust me. We've been doing this a year. I have heard every argument on both sides. And I just want to thank everyone that's cooperating to try to get people to come back. And I think that we can see that it's working. So you're to be congratulated. Every Bible turn to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two. We are going to conclude our series on Ephesians chapter two, verses eight, nine, and ten uh, tonight. Uh, it's like I said, uh, it's the longest series, uh, but yet it's a short series. We I never had the, I never thought that it would be going on into uh, May, but here we are. And so it tells us there in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I've said many times as we've gone through this series, I always like to include verse 10 to show that God expects us to work. And we've looked at different aspects of this or different phrases of these verses. We realize that it is by salvation, or our salvation is by the grace of God. And it is through faith that we should have in that plan that God has given. It's not of ourselves. And it's not of works uh, that we could boast of. Uh, and it is what we're going to talk about tonight a gift of God. God has always demonstrated. His love for man, and He's demonstrated that love by always giving man, mankind, the things that they needed, the things that were in their best interest, the things that we need in order to have heaven as our home and to live in this life in a way that's acceptable to God. In James chapter 1 and verse 17, James says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. When we think about God, we think about light. God is light. And we need to understand that there is no darkness in God. That there is no shadows in God. That He is pure. That He is the Almighty. That He is the Creator of this universe. And He is worthy of all praise. 
And we need to be thankful that He loves us enough that when we sin, that He's given us a way to have our sins washed away by the precious blood of Jesus Christ who died on the cross through our obedience to that Gospel. We can have that salvation. And so there is something that is that is great and, and, and fantastic when you think about what God has given that we have needs and God supplies those needs. That's just amazing to think that the God of this universe cares about us. And so we need to appreciate that. And anything that God gives to mankind is the most precious commodity for which any rational human being could ever hope to receive. God is truly good. God's gift to mankind is unquestionably the greatest of all gifts. The fact that Jesus came to this earth, that He lived on this earth, and that He lived as an example. And many people despised Jesus. And in the end, those that hated Him the most had Him hung on a cross. But they were following God's plan for Jesus to die on a cross so that you and I could have the forgiveness of sin. And it is by His grace and not of man that we are saved. You see, no man could ever devise a system by which he could obtain salvation. You could put all the smartest minds in this world in one room and all, the, all of their wisdom and all their smartness, they could not come up with a plan that could save one single soul. It's because of God's goodness that we have this plan. We could look at the richest people in the world and you could put them all together and they could pile all their money in a big pile and it wouldn't be big enough to save one single soul. Think about that. We need God. God is the only one that can save our soul and He's given us a plan through His grace. That plan is extended to all of mankind to where all people have the opportunity to be saved. So all the money and all the smartness, wisdom, whatever word you want to call it, cannot save man. It's only through that gracious donation that God made of giving His Son on the cross for our sins. <clears throat> Not all of God's gifts bring salvation. Paul spoke of another kind of gift in the very next chapter. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Paul says, "...whereof I am made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual workings of His power, unto me who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ." The gift of God's grace that is here being talked about by Paul is the gift of inspiration. Not all saints have that gift of inspiration. We see it given to those in the first century. The apostles, they were guided in all truths by the Holy Spirit. And we know that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And so that inspiration, that gift of inspiration, was something that is very important. It is the means, that inspiration is the means of that saving grace being delivered 
to us, all of mankind. Let me say that again. That gift of inspiration is the transmission or the means by which the Gospel is presented to you and me today so that you and I have that opportunity to be obedient to it. Men were chosen. The men that were chosen were chosen as special servants of God. There were prophets. There are no prophets today. But there was prophets in the New Testament in the first century. We can read about them in the Bible. There were apostles, but they were guided by the Holy Spirit. There are no apostles living today. There are some that you hear in the religious world that will say that they are an apostle or that they are a prophet. But I think that we've seen this morning that just because you claim it doesn't mean that it's so. There are some that take titles that the Bible never intended for people to have. And they're not doing that work because they're not inspired, even though they may try to deceive others into thinking that they are. But the gift of God in salvation is revealed to all of mankind by the inspiration that God had given to those that were chosen by, by Him to, uh, ex- uh, to extend that message to Jews and Gentiles alike. You see, revelation is limited. What God has revealed is limited to those whom God promised that gift. And so when the apostles spoke, they were speaking through inspiration. On the day of Pentecost, they were speaking through inspiration. The Holy Spirit had descended upon them and they began to speak in languages that people could understand and they proclaimed the Gospel of Christ. And people were pricked in their heart And they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter told them what they needed to do in order to be saved. He did all of that because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He had that inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so Jude speaks of the faith. We talked about that this morning. The faith that was once delivered. Not a faith, not some faith, but the faith that was delivered. That we are to earnestly contend for that faith. And Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, that God will put a curse, or there's a curse on anyone who presumes to preach any other gospel than that gospel that the apostles preached. That's how important it is. And that's why faith is so important. Because many times we read in the Bible, someone else will say something contrary to what the Bible says, and yet we will listen to that individual and put our trust in them because we can see them and hear what they're saying instead of trusting what was said in the first century or anywhere else in the Bible. And so our faith moves us to be obedient to what God's Word tells us as we've seen in our lesson this morning. But you can look and you can see that there are some who claim that the Lord has has directed them or instructed them with some special message for today that... You can listen to what they're saying that they, and you can determine that they have some ulterior motives involved. That Gospel has been delivered. It's not going to change. Paul says there is no other Gospel. And so either we listen to what the Bible teaches or we reject it. But yet you'll hear television evangelists who claims that God speaks through them. Have you ever noticed how many of those so-called messages have to do with their need for someone to send them a donation of money 
I remember years ago I went to a, a tent meeting that was taking place uh, here in, in Ypsilanti. We'd been invited, so we went. At the end of it, the preacher stood up and he said that God had spoke to him. And God told him that there were five people there that night that was going to give him $500. And that there were ten people, I don't even remember the exact number, that were going to give him $100. And that God had spoke to him and he just worked his way down until he got to $5. And I thought, I don't see God telling anybody that in the Bible. But here's what he said. If you're wondering in your mind, am I that person? Then that's God speaking to you. Telling you that, the, that you are that person. Show me where the Bible, in the Bible where God worked like that. God doesn't work like that. And you can see the motive that people have when they claim that they have a message from God. The fact is, there is no special direct revelation from God to anyone today. We have God's Word. It's not going to change. It's the same yesterday. It's the same today. And it'll be the same tomorrow. And if we live, uh, if we last another 10,000 years here on this earth, it'll be the same 10,000 years from now. And so we need to listen to it and obey it. Because that's the only means that we have of salvation. And it's that gift that God has given us. There is but one revelation. And that revelation is the, the, the Scripture and it has been sealed with the blood of Christ, and any person who would dare to tamper with that seal does so to his or her own damnation. We need to be cautious of what we say God does. We need to make sure, as we mentioned this morning, that we speak as the oracles of God. Make sure that what we're saying is what God says. Don't have our opinions and our own ideas put in place of God. The Hebrew writer speaks of the gift of salvation in Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. He says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the word to come, or the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put Him to an open shame. The heavenly gift is equated with partaking of the Holy Spirit, tasting the good Word of God, and the power in the age to come. That inspiration is something that is very important. That gift that God gives is something that is very important. And no doubt, this is why we have passages such as found in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 when he talks about the gift of the Holy Spirit, and in Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 where he talks about the gift of righteousness, and Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7 when he talks about the gift of Christ. All of them direct our minds to the unspeakable gift of God when Jesus came to save mankind in this world from a world of sin. God loves us, and the gift of God is salvation. That we can have our sins washed away by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. All who are saved are completely saved from every sin committed in the past. And that's what we need to understand and we need to accept. 
The fact that when we, by faith, listen to the plan that God has given, and by faith we accept that plan, when He tells us that we have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the Messiah, we need to understand that we need to believe that. And He gives us proof of that in the New Testament. And so we read that. We can look in the Old Testament, see prophecies that will help us to understand that Jesus was the Messiah, that we're not looking for someone else. And so we have to have faith that He is the Messiah. And that faith moves us to be obedient to what Jesus tells us. And Jesus tells us that we have to repent of our sins. We've got to turn away from those things. Luke 13, verses 3 and 5. We have to confess the name of Christ before men. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. And then we must be buried with our Lord in baptism to have our sins washed away. And then we must live a faithful life. That's what Jesus tells us to do. That's the grace that God has extended to us. And we have faith in that. And our faith says, if I do what God says I'm going to do, that He's going to do, then I'm going to be moved to be obedient and believe what He says He's going to do. And so when I go down in that water and I come up out of that water, there's no tingly feeling that you're going to have. Now, some people may get chills. The water's pretty cold sometimes. There may be thoughts that you have, but the act of obedience is what saves us. And it's that simple. Going down into the water, coming up out of the water, we've accepted that grace that God has extended to us through our faith. We believe what Jesus said He was going to do. And we believe what the Bible teaches that when we go down and come up, that our sins are washed away. You know, it's sort of like the going to the sink and washing your hands. You do that ever so often. Wash all the dirt off. Maybe you do other things. You wash other things at that sink. But sometimes that drain gets plugged up. All the dirt's washed down the drain. But if you're the individual that has to open that drain and take that elbow out and clean it out, you realize that it stinks. It's yucky. It's nasty. Those sins that are washed down the drain... You don't want to pull them back up. And that's exactly what we're doing sometimes when we relive or rehash what we've done in the past. We have to trust God that when they went down the drain, they're gone. And that's hard sometimes to accept. But that's what God does. That's the gift that He's given to us of salvation. That all those sins in the past are washed away. They're down the drain. He talks about it being as, the, as far as the east is from the west. That's how far those sins are removed. That He doesn't remember those iniquities against us, those sins against us. He's forgiven it. And we have to trust Him to do that. That's part of the faith that we have in God's plan. So you're not going to feel something when you go down in the water like it's been zapped away. There's no magic in the water. It's our obedience to God that does it. And so we trust God that His cleansing blood, the blood of Christ, will cleanse us from all sin. You see, salvation covers the present and current condition of one who is in Christ Jesus and spans even to the future as the saved are promised an abundant entrance into an everlasting kingdom of God. 
As it tells us in 1 John chapter 1, as a Christian, we may sin. In fact, the Bible there tells us that if we say we have no sin, we make Him a liar and the truth is not in us. So it seems evident that God knew that even after we became a Christian, there would be a time that we would sin. But we're following Christ. And when we follow Christ, we're not looking for avenues to sin. We're striving to the best of our ability to serve God and to live a faithful life in service to Him. And when we do sin, that precious blood that cleansed us to begin with will cleanse us again if we'll confess that sin to God and ask His forgiveness. During the time we spend waiting for the Lord to return, we must exercise the gifts that God has bestowed upon each one of us. We have to use the talents that God has given us to glorify His name. Paul said, "...but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ." Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. The apostles received special gifts that are not given to, or that were not given to others, and they're not given today. Some of those gifts were limited in time, and they were there to help form the church that Jesus built in the New Testament. But all received the grace of salvation by God's grace. We all can receive that promise of salvation if we'll do what God's plan says we must do. You see, this gift is not limited to persons or time. Those special gifts of being able to speak through the inspiration of God, that was for a particular time. It doesn't exist today. If I want to know what God's Word is, I have to go to His Word and study it and read it. I'm not going to get there some miraculous way. So I have to study. And then I find out what He wants me to do, and I do those things. So <clears throat> what they had, what they were able to do, when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, that was a, uh, a gift that the Holy Spirit had given, had given to them where they could speak the truth and know what they were saying was from God. But when Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that is God's plan of salvation. That they would receive salvation from God if they would repent and be baptized. Now they had already believed when they cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They heard that message and they believed. And if you read that message, you see that they're proclaiming the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That He died for their sins, that He was buried, and that He had risen from the grave. Well, God's gift of salvation is available to all people. It's very unfortunate that all people will not receive it. There are some that will hear the message and reject it. There are others that will listen to it and make fun of it. There are some that will hear it and immediately accept the message and be obedient to the Gospel while others read it or hear it. It may take a while before they accept it. But salvation is available to all people. How is the gift of God granted? Well, does God give salvation whether man does anything or not? In other words, could everyone be saved? Obviously, the Scripture teaches us that that's not the case. Does the Bible give salvation whether man wants it or not? 
Is everyone going to be saved whether they want to or not? Well, I think the Bible answers that also. If they're not going to be saved, you have to want to be saved in order to be saved. There's things that you need to do. Or does God give salvation conditioned upon one's faith and obedience? That's the answer. Salvation is given when by our faith we listen and obey what God has told us to do. You see, the issue is not difficult to settle. If one would just look at the Scripture, look at God's Word. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21? Not everyone that saith unto Me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that what doeth the will of My Father which is in heaven. Do I want to be saved? What do I have to do? That's another one of those passages of Scripture that's very simple and easy to understand. It's not complicated. You just have to read it and understand that, hey, I need to do what the Father's will is. And how do I find out what the Father's will is? How can I find out what God wants me to do? I go to His Word and I study that Word and understand what He wants me to do. The faith that saves is a faith that is obedient. As we've seen in Hebrews chapter 11, when people were told what they needed to do, such as Noah and Moses and Abraham and Jacob, Joseph, different ones, they were told what to do. By faith, they were moved to do those things that they were told to do. By faith, we're moved to be obedient to that grace that God has extended. Because in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, the writer says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him. I've mentioned before that there was someone one time that I preached a sermon and they met me at the door and they said, you're saying that we have to be obedient in order to be saved? There's things that we have to do in order to be saved? And I said, yeah. Well, that's not the way they understood it. Well, that's exactly what the Hebrew writer tells us, doesn't it? What, what is it? And being made perfect, He became the author of eternal salvation. Who? Jesus. Unto all them. Who's them? The people at that time, the people that followed after, and people all the way up to the present time and into the future. To all them that what? Obey Him. Now, who do I listen to? Some individual who wants to live any way that they so choose and think God's still going to save them? Or do I want to listen to God's Word? What our Lord tells us and what the writers in, through inspiration tells us that we must do. I know which one I want to listen to, and I hope that you want to listen to the Word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. What a gift. What a gift that God has extended. A gift that God has given to us, made available to you and to me and to all of mankind. But we accept that gift through our faith. What a Savior that we have. You see, obedience today is no different than the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, when Peter said, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin." They had to be obedient to that in order to have their sins remitted, to have their sins washed away. 
And the same is true for us today. We have to do what the Bible teaches us that we need to do. And the question right now is, have you done that? Have you done what God's Word tells you you must do in order to be saved? You're not going to find in the Bible, pray this prayer. You're not going to find in the Bible, accept Jesus into your heart. You're not going to find in the Bible that you can have water sprinkled over your head and call it baptism. You can't find in the Bible where they baptized babies in the New Testament. You can't find that because it's not there. And so we want to do what the Lord wants us to do in order to be saved. He's our Savior. He's the one that died on the cross. We can't argue with Him and win. We need to accept what the Word says. And if you have not accepted that, then wait no longer. Be obedient to that Gospel tonight. You can be buried with our Lord in baptism and have your sins washed away by His precious blood that was shed on the cross for you and me. That's the gift of God. Salvation. Knowing that our sins have been washed away, blotted out, and remembered against us no more. They're down the drain. Don't pull them back up. Leave them. Let them go on out. God loves us and He cares for us. Accept that gift. You have that opportunity to come and have a seat up here on the front row if you need our prayers. I'm going to do so while we stand and sing.